Well, my name is John, and I have the privilege of serving as staff evangelist here. Today's a special day for, uh, for us. 11 years ago, um, September 1st of 2008, uh, God allowed our family to start traveling the United States, um, proclaiming the name of Jesus. We've been to 31 different states doing that now. And back then, our, our children weren't nearly as old as they were. They were still, they were still cute like, and, and good-looking like their mom, um, but they weren't as... They weren't as uh, as old and as expensive as they are now, and so. Um, but it's been great to to travel the country and um, you know preach Jesus, and I'm excited that we get that we get to do that. And today, as we continue our series on being all in, I hope you've taken part in the All In Initiative to read the Bible through, to to give more generously, to pray for those people who. Um, don't know the Lord and to be actively involved in some sort of ministry here in our community. As we talk about that today, I want to talk to you about being all in and in authentic worship and what that looks like. Because see, growing up in church, a lot of times I thought that all, that worship was just what we did on Sunday, what we did on Wednesday. It was, you know, we came together maybe at vacation Bible school and we sang some crazy songs and we did Father Abraham. It was, you know, the kid's version of, of the, it was the original Christian workout routine, you know, Father Abraham. And you're, you're throwing your hands out there and you're doing all this stuff. And that's what I really thought worship was. And it reminds me of a story about sometimes how we really don't understand necessarily things, things that God wants us to get. It reminds me of a story I heard of a of a man who was teaching children in Sunday school, in life group, and he really wanted to make sure that they understood what he was teaching them. So he decided kind of midway through the Sunday school year, the calendar year, that he was going to just kind of give them a pop quiz. And so he asked randomly, he said, why did God send the flood? A little girl raised her hand and said, God sent the flood because there were millions and millions of dirty people. Then he asked another question, what is a lie? A little boy raised his hand and said, a lie is, a, is an abomination before God, but a very present help in time of trouble. <laughs> then he asked another question. Who was Solomon? A girl raised her hand and said, Solomon was an Israelite king. He had 700 wives and 300 porcupines. <laughs> but my favorite question is this. He asked, who was sorry when the prodigal son came home? And a little boy raised his hand and said, the fatted calf. <laughs> And sometimes we don't understand um, really what God wants us to, to get out of Scripture. And so today as we continue in the life of David and a man after God's own heart, I want you to understand what worship is and what being all in um, for God really means. Because make no mistake about it, if, if we really, really encounter God here on Sunday, we should affect our community with the gospel on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, and Saturday. It should be, it should be an over. What happens in here should be an overflow out to a lost and dying world that desperately needs to know the gospel of Jesus. And so if you have your Bibles, I want you to open up to 2 Samuel chapter 24. 2 Samuel chapter 24. As you're getting there, I'll kind of tell you the background of the story. David um, gets his, his mighty men, he gets one of his soldiers to go out and take a census. He wants to kind of find out how many people he's got in his army in the nation of Israel and the nation of Judah. And really, David's not doing this to point to how great God is. David's doing this to point to how great he is. And God brings a, he brings a plague on the people. He, he, he brings the consequences of David's act, activity on the people because as we've seen throughout the series, sin has rippling effects, not just on us, but on other people. And David doesn't really understand at this point what worship truly is, that it's not about making us look good, making us look great. It's all about making God look great. And so in 2 Samuel chapter 24, let's pick it up 
Let's go uh, start in verse 18. And Gad came that day to David and said to him, Go up, raise an altar to the Lord on the threshing floor of Arona the Jebusite. Verse 19 says, So David went up at Gad's word as the Lord commanded. And when Arana looked down, he saw the king and his servants coming on toward him. And Arana went out and paid homage to the king with his face to the ground. And he said, why has my Lord, the king come to his servant? And David said to buy the threshing floor from you in order to build an altar to the Lord that the plague may be averted from this people. Then Arana said to David, let my Lord, the king take and offer what seems good to him. Here are the oxen for the burnt offering and the threshing sledges and the yokes of the oxen for the wood. All this, O King Arona, get, all, all this, O King Arona, gives to you. And Arona said to the king, May the Lord your God accept you. But the king said, No, I will buy it from you for a price. I will not offer burnt offerings to the Lord my God that cost me nothing. So David bought the threshing floor and the oxen for 50 shekels of silver, and David built there an altar to the Lord, and he offered burnt offerings and peace offerings. And so the Lord responded to the plea for the land, and the plague was averted from Israel. So being all in in our worship, and authentic worship is shown by our obedience to God. In verse 19, you know, David's just gotten this, this message from the Lord through a prophet and from Gad, and he goes and he does exactly what Gad says. He's going to go build an altar. He came directly from the Lord. And I thought to myself as I was reading this, how many times, how many times when we get a message from God and we really feel like God wants us to do something, how many times instead of truly obeying it, do we consult somebody on it, pray on it, think on it, or just use our own intuition to say that's not really what God wanted me to do? Because here's what I want you to know. We can be great at singing songs in church. We can be great um, at, 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 li- at, at living a great life, and we can be tithers. We can be all this stuff, but if we're not obedient in every aspect of our lives, then God can't use us the way he wants to. So my question to you today is this, is there an area of you, in your life that, where you've been uh, maybe not as obedient to God as you have in others? Maybe, maybe it's because of, uh, of busyness, or maybe it's because of comfort, maybe it's because of convenience. I heard a story recently of, uh, that happened a few, a few centuries before Jesus came. Alexander the Great had conquered most of the known world. And he and his army is making a, its way into a well-fortified, well-defended city. And Alexander the Great, as he gets to the city, he says, I demand an audience with the king. And as the king comes down, he says, I heard you want to speak with me. What is it that you've come to tell me? And Alexander says, I demand that you surrender right now. I demand that you surrender to me right now. The king looked and he began to laugh and he said, why should I surrender to you? Why should should I allow you to conquer us? Because your army's not as strong as ours. You're not as equipped as ours. And Alexander says, I'll show you. And immediately Alexander commanded his troops to go to a steep cliff to march, to march, to march. And as they got to the cliff, they began to fall to their death. They kept marching. And after about the 10th one died, Alexander called the troops back. And the king said, we will completely and totally surrender to you now. Because I've never seen obedience like that before. What's keeping you from being that obedient to God? 
If God called you today to leave your, leave your home and leave your comfort and, 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 and leave, your, um, you know, leave, leave the comfort of your, your air conditioning and if he called us to leave this church and he called you to, to, to leave your gadgets and he called you to leave your, your TV and your electronics and go and move and serve in a remote country, would you do it? Maybe God's called you to start a Bible study at your work. Maybe he's called you um, to lead a Bible study at your home for your kids. Have you done it? Because God's, our, our, our obedience to God shows how we view him. We either view him as worthy of our obedience in everything, or we view him as not worthy of our obedience in some things. And partial obedience is still disobedience. If I ask my, my boys or, or my daughter to bring all the trash from the house to the kitchen so I can put them in the trash can and pull them to the street, and they, they get all the trash from their rooms, and they get all the trash from their bathrooms, and believe me, there's a lot of it. And, and my daughter goes, and she gets all of the trash from her room, and all, all of the, the makeup paraphernalia that is expired, and all the stuff that she uses, and, and she, she's got it in the trash. And they bring it down, but they leave out one bathroom trash. Have they really obeyed? See, partial obedience is still disobedience. And we, we do that in church. We do a lot of great things. But maybe there's some things that God wants us to do more of in the area of obedience. I remember 11 years ago when, God, when we surrendered to ministry, God had actually called me to go and, and start traveling and speaking about three years prior, but I told him no. Because the convenience of serving on staff at a church and the steady paycheck and the fact that I had a wife and kids and as you can tell, I like to eat. That, that mattered to me. And I was so, um, so focused on the work of God that I was outside the will of God. And I became miserable. And maybe you're here today and maybe you're miserable in your walk with the Lord, not because you're not doing great work for the Lord, but because you're outside the will of God because you haven't truly obeyed in every area of your life. And when I finally gave in, and we finally made the decision, we, and, and we, we, we finally said yes to God, is when he allowed us to, to now travel to 31 different states and have this, this ministry that's impacted thousands and thousands of people, but it would have not have happened had we not been obedient. So what is God calling you to obey in? The, the, there's an old song, trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus than to trust and obey. Maybe you struggle with trust. And maybe, maybe part of your disobedience is just trusting that God will take care of everything. Maybe, maybe you've got the trust part down, but do you have the obey part down? So authentic worship, real worship is seen. It's shown in our obedience to God, but it's also seen in our offering to God. I want you to hear what it says. Look at verse 20. And when Arana looked down, he saw the king and his servants coming on toward him. And he went out and he paid homage to the king with his face to the ground. And he said, Who is my, why is my lord the king come to his servant? And David said to buy the threshing floor in order to build an altar to the Lord, that the plague may be averted from the people. Then Arana said, Let my lord the king take and offer up what seems good to him. Here are the oxen for the burnt offering and the threshing sledges and the yokes of the, ox, of the uh, oxen for the wood. All this I give to you, the king. And Arana said to the king, may the Lord your God accept you. Listen to what David's reply is. But the king said, I will buy it from you for a price. I will not offer burnt offerings to the Lord my God that cost me nothing. See, a lot of times in church, 
we want to offer God things that don't really matter a whole lot to us. See, it's easy for us to give things that we're not attached to. But what about when God wants you to give a little bit of your schedule up to spend time with him in the mornings? And you've got all these meetings and all these people who are depending on you. And, and you've got kids that are running around. And, and, and as we get older, we, sit, we tend to start, start getting more tired quicker. But is God worthy of your time? Maybe he's gifted you in talents and abilities to be teaching a life group or on a Wednesday night. Or maybe he wants you to work in the children's ministry or the nursery. Or maybe he wants you to help out with Alan in the student ministry. Or maybe he wants you to sing in the choir or play in the band with Nathan and Robert. But I can't do that because, because I'm, I, I'm busy and I have all these other engagements. And I, you know, I've got to have my kids at, at, at this and this and this. Is your time and your talent... Are you offering it to God as if he's king or you give it to him as if he's a pauper? Because here's what I want you to know. What we offer to God shows how much value we place on God. And if we give him things that don't really matter to us, if we give him things that don't really, um, that is not really a huge sacrifice for us to give to him, then it shows that God is not worthy of much more than Sunday and Wednesday Christianity. But understand this, the world will not be changed until we as the people of God give God the, the worth and the value of a king when we're not just in church, but when we're out in our communities as well. And God wants to know that he's worthy and he's valuable to you. Will you give him your time? Will you give him your talent? What about your treasure? Does God own your pocketbook? And this is not a, this is not a tithing message, but here's what I want you to know. God can do more with your 10% than you can do with your 100%. Because he's God. He owns a cattle on a thousand hills. And he wants to know, he wants that thing that's precious to you because it says in Colossians 1 that he may come, that he, that, that he came, that he may have first place in everything. So what kind of value do you place on God? David said, I'm not going to give God anything that doesn't cost me something. When you, when you truly worship God, it costs you something. Maybe it costs you your reputation or your popularity. We have students here. And I want you to know that following God is going to get you weird looks from your friends. It's going to cause you to be maybe looked down upon by other people. But it's worth it if he's the king. So I want to show you a picture. Think about bacon and eggs. Staple food, all of us have had it. Now think about it in the area of your offering to God. Are you the chicken or the pig? Because the chicken, it doesn't really cost a whole lot for him in the whole bacon and eggs discussion. But the pig, it costs everything. See, the pig is willing, or, or the pig gives his life so that you and I can enjoy bacon. The chicken just lays an egg. And I wonder how many times we in the church have come together and, and in this area of, of offering, we've been willing to offer God what doesn't cost much rather than offer God everything. Because God can't use you and me for great things if he doesn't own everything. So how do you value Jesus? How do you value God? Because how you value him determines what you're going to give him. Maybe you give him your attitude. You say, John, my attitude's fine. Maybe some of you need to tell your face that. I mean, if you're the life of the party when you leave, your attitude's probably not that great. Some of you will get that on the way out. 
As Christians, we don't need to walk around like the only job we'll ever get is cruise director on the Titanic. Our life needs to be a representation of the goodness and greatness of God. Maybe we offer him our attitude. Maybe we offer him our family. One of the things that I struggle with is, I, is my kids and their future because I want so greatly for them to have this amazing future. And, and I can get real possessive and I can get real controlling and I can worry about it. Or I can say, God, these are the people that are most precious to me, them and my wife, and I give them to you and I trust you with the results. Or I can, I can fret and worry about it. I can release control of their future from me to God, or I can stress and worry and try to get them to do something that may not be what God wants them to do. So your offering is a sign of your, the worth that you place on God. So ask yourself this question. Based on what I'm willing to give God, is he, am I giving him what's worthy of a king, or am I giving him what's worthy of a peasant? in my life? Are you holding things back? We sing a song in church, I surrender all. For in my life, in many cases, it should be I surrender some. Because I'm willing to give God things that aren't really that valuable to me. So what about you? And the last thing I want you to see is this, that being all in and having authentic worship is not just shown in our obedience to God or seen in our offering to God, but it's surely observed and responded to by God. Look at verse 25. And David built there an altar to the Lord, and he offered burnt offerings and peace offerings. And so the Lord responded to the plea for the land, and the plague was averted from Israel. So you may be saying, well, John, I'm, I'm obedient. John, I'm, off, I, I'm giving all that I can give to God, and I feel like I'm alone. I feel like nothing's going on. I feel like what I want to see is not happening. Just know this, God sees, God knows, and God responds. And he promises that he'll work all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to your purpose. It may not, you may be going through a season right now and it may not turn out the way you want it to turn out, but just know this, he's working for his good pleasure to bring out his goodness through you. He knows, he sees, and he responds. The Bible says this, that God does not delight in any other thing but obedience and sacrifice. That he delights in it and he responds to it and he, he moves. That obedience and offering to God move the heart of God in a way that works out for our ultimate good. So maybe you're here today and maybe you need to know that God just sees and God knows what's going on. And maybe God wants to move in your life but he's waiting to see if you'll be obedient and surrendered. Maybe you're here today and maybe you've never really surrendered your whole life to Jesus. You don't have a relationship with him. Here's what I'll tell you. Here's what I'll tell you. That God sees you, God loves you, God knows you, and God wants to, to bring his life in and through you so that you can have a life that he intended you to have that's not free from heartache and, and pain, but is, is a life that's abundant because he lives inside of you. And you can have that life if you'll just give him control. Maybe today you'd say, well, well, John, man, I don't know how to do that. It starts with humble. It starts with humility. See, David as the king had to realize that there was a king over him. And maybe for some of us in the room, the reason why we're not obedient, the reason why we're not willing to, to, to offer our lives and offer our, ourselves, the reason why we're not um, seeing God do the things that we want to see him do in our lives is ultimately because of pride. And men... Pride goes farther than who controls the remote in the house. 
Because see, ultimately, David started in, in this chapter with wanting people to see how great he was. And in all, in all actuality, most of us in the room would say that we're, we're glory hogs. And we wanted, we wanted people to know how great we are. So this past week, uh, my boys played their first football game of the year, and they went in as like four or five touchdown underdogs, playing a public school over um, in the booming metropolis of Apple Springs, Texas. I think they, they determine the population of Apple Springs by who dies and who gives birth. I think that's how they determine that, because it's that, it's that small. And my boys go, I get to volunteer coach my boys' team, and um, it's a real joy of my life to be out there, especially with, with my two boys playing on the same team. And I can just tell you this, that our boys are a lot harder to beat when they do what their coaches tell them to do. But every once in a while, whether it's, my, whether, whether it's, it's one of my boys or, or another player, they decide that they ought to do things the way they want to have them done. And it never ends up good. To make a long story short, because these boys went out and they did what their coaches told them to do, they were a four or five touch, they were about a 45-point underdog, and they ended up winning 54 to 14. And I don't say that to brag, and I don't, but here's what I do say. When, when it's not about us, when it's not about an individual, when it's all about um, a team, and it's all about making, making the name of Jesus uh, known, and it's all about being obedient and being willing to, to surrender our pride and being willing to give of ourselves, then the whole collective group sees a victory. And for the church to win today, for the church to really win, and, and to really win in our nation today, we need more people who will be obedient. We need more people who will show the value of God in the way they offer their lives. We need more people who will understand that God sees God knows, and God responds. And so I don't know where you are today. I don't know what, God, what area of, uh, God may be calling you to obey him in or what area God may be calling you to offer him in. Maybe, maybe, there's, um, maybe there's a promotion or something that you're in line for and you're worried about it. Maybe you just need to offer that job to God. Maybe there's, there's a wayward, there was a wayward child or a wayward grandchild that's, that's really burdening, burdening your heart. Maybe you need to offer that to God. Because I know some of you have come in today with a lot of baggage and a lot of cares and concerns. And it's hard for you to think about obeying God in an area because there's all these other things that are weighing, weighing you down. But I'll just tell you this. You'll never be more free in your life than you will when you're completely obedient to God when you offer him the things that are of the most value to you and you trust that because he sees and because he knows and because he observes, he's working on your behalf to bring out the best result. So today, what would you say if Jesus said, are you completely, if he asked you face to face, are you completely obedient? Do you offer me things fit for a king or do you offer me things that make me look like a peasant? And are you willing to trust that I know, that I see, and I will act according to my good pleasure for your benefit?